the renewing of the mind, the reconditioning of the mind. And then the completed work of salvation is when your mortal body becomes an immortal one. And praise God, we have that to look forward to. So I'm, I'm, I'm probably spending a little more time on this, reviewing some of these things, reminding you of some of these things, teaching you some of these things um, as we get started this morning. But I'm, I'm, I'm wanting you to, to, to really embrace what this verse is saying. So verse 18 says, all these things that have become new are of God. They are of God. In Ephesians 4, one of our foundational verses for our current study, the Bible says that this new man that we've become was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So this is what it means he's echoing this in verse 18 when he says now all these things are of God and because we've become this new creation, we've been reconciled. He's reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. That word reconciled means to be reestablished in a close relationship between so maybe you uh, know of somebody, maybe you've experienced it yourself, where, where uh, you know, a husband and a wife have separated uh, and then they've uh, come back together, they've reconciled. And so this is uh, an earthly example of what, of what he's talking about here in a spiritual sense, that notice he has reconciled us to himself. Not will reconcile us to himself, but has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Just a side note on that last phrase, anything that God does in you, he then wants to do through you. So, for instance, when he saved you, he then wants to use you to bring the salvation message to other people. When he baptized you in the Holy Spirit, he then wants you to share that experience with other people and even pray with them to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, He says that you will lay your hands on the sick and the sick will recover. So anything that he does for you, in you, he also wants to do through you. So when he reconciled you to God, he gave you the ministry of reconciliation so that you can now be an instrument in his hands to bring reconciliation with God to the lives of other people. Now, I think I've said this kind of tongue-in-cheek over the years. I don't know if it's true or not. I don't have any hard data to prove it. Um, I'm just going by my own experience, okay, Uh, when I say that this verse 17 is the most cross-stitched verse in all the Bible. Um, I I have been in so many homes. I grew up in a home uh, where my mom had cross-stitched this, or either somebody cross-stitched it and gave it to her, right? Um, New creation. Um, You know, these uh, home decor uh, companies, you know, they've made a killing off this verse right here because I see it. Uh, in uh, in people's homes and a lot of times when you see this verse um, you'll see a butterfly associated with it Um, uh, the cross-stitched butterfly or a three-dimensional home interiors anybody anybody remember home interiors right man I bet home interiors sold a million plaques um, with 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 on it and I'm thankful for that it's kind of like the John 316 banner at the pro football games right um, and so this is a verse because of that popularity a lot of people are familiar with. Am I the only one that's seen it a bunch of times with a butterfly connected with it, all right? Because the butterfly is, is, is symbolic of what this verse is referring to. It's, it's referring to metamorphosis. It's referring to us um, coming out of a, a, not just a womb of death, but the Bible literally says Jesus was the firstborn from the dead. So we see that that a, a caterpillar goes into a cocoon, but then emerges from that cocoon 
as something completely different than it was when it went into that, um, that cocoon. Uh, and so what we see happens in that cocoon is, is a metamorphosis. And a metamorphosis is, is when something changes at the very essence or at the very nature of what it was. And so you see why a butterfly is often associated symbolically to symbolize this verse is that if you're in Christ Jesus, you bec- you're a new creation. Um, you become something through the new birth experience that you were not before. It's not that you're refurbished or, or just made a little bit better or dusted off and cleaned up a little bit. Um, through the new birth experience, we literally become a new creation. The Bible says the old person that we were is buried with Christ, and when we're raised up together with Him, we're raised up together to a new life as a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old has passed away. Literally, the old has died. And behold, that word behold is very important there. Um, behold means to, means to check it out, to spend some time thinking about it, to consider this. He uses a version of this word in Romans 6 where he talks about these things. And maybe you can relate to it. At least I know I use the Romans 6 version more than I use the 2 Corinthians 5 version. And that word is the word reckon, right? He says to reckon yourself resurrected, to reckon yourself to have died with Christ. So when he says behold here, he's saying to pause and connect with this mentally. um, to, to, To really spend some time observing this, to really spend some time considering this. And ultimately to spend some time connecting with this. Behold, all things have become new. Now, the Greek language uses a couple of words for change that we find translated in the New Testament, um, either change or transform. But if you dig into these words, you'll see that they don't mean the same thing. And so those two words, and we introduced this a little bit last week, and these are big words. Listen, if you think I'm talking over your head, I'm not, and as my brother at the foundry said, don't duck, okay? All right, I'm not talking over your head. I know these are big words, bigger than mayonnaise, okay? But they have simple meanings, okay? So metaschematizo, I'll explain to you in just a moment. We've already explained metamorpho. We get our English word metamorphosis um, uh, from the, the Greek word metamorpho. Um, the word metaschematizo, um, it also has to do with, with realized or experienced change in our lives. But metaschematizo has to do with a method or approach to change that involves either adding to, taking away, or rearranging what's already present in our lives. So this would fall into the category of like a New Year's resolution where we resolve to do more of some things, less of other things, and reprioritize what it, what's present in our lives. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing, but as we're going to learn this morning, we've got to understand what these two approaches are and the order in which they need to occur and take place um, in our lives. So again, metaschematizo is transformation by adding, taking away, or rearranging. Right now, I don't know about you, but I do know about you because I know about me, amen. And I know you because I know me, amen. <laughs> Not that we're identical, but I also know that there are certain things the Bible says that we all have in common, amen. Um, Jesus says that He was tempted in all points, like as we are, uh, in all manner as we are. Okay, and so there are certain things that you know, if you have a, f- a, f- a flesh body, which is every person listening to me right now, um, that we all experience uh, in common. 
And so if we're just simply going to try to bring lasting and real change to our lives by adding something to our lives that we haven't previously been doing or, 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 or acquired or uh, changing our lives by stopping certain things, subtracting certain things, you know, throwing certain things overboard, or by simply rearranging the priorities and, and realizing that some things are more important than others and we should do more of those and less of the other. Um, th- this is really, really, really challenging way, difficult way to experience, again, not just change, but real and lasting change. All right? And so there's a reason for that. And again, we weren't, and thankfully, you know, we're not just you know, limited to this approach um, to a change in our lives. So metamorpho is changing the essence of what a thing is. Changing the essence of what a thing is. Changing the inherent or intrinsic nature of a thing. And so back to the butterfly A butterfly is much more than a caterpillar with a pair of wings sewn on its back. See, that would be metaschematizo. That would be if you took a a caterpillar, rather, and added some wings to it. Um, But if you look closely at a butterfly, it's not just a caterpillar with wings. It's become inherently, intrinsically something completely different. The old situation of the caterpillar passed away. And now all things have become new. It doesn't even have the same body structure, okay? And I would imagine that if, if it just remained a caterpillar with wings, the wings would have to be much larger because that, that dude's kind of chubby, right? That caterpillar's kind of chubby, right? All right, so a butterfly is much more than a caterpillar with a pair of wings sewn on its back, okay? And so remember, a Christian is much more than a sinner who's trying to be good. Amen? Christian, see... See, I, I'm, I know that there's just a lot of error in, 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 in our thinking and our self-image and, and the way we understand these things. You know, um, <clears throat> if you've been born again, you're not like people who haven't been born again yet. See, the devil tried to tell you, well, you know, you're just like everybody else. I'm just like you. You're just like... No, no, no. The Bible, matter of fact, Paul even said, you know, to the Corinthians... He, he said, you still think like somebody who's not born again, and because of that, you're still behaving like a mere man. You're not a mere man anymore. You're a born-again man. You're a new creation. You're a holy nation. You're a royal priesthood. You became something through the new birth experience that, that you were not before. But the devil wants you to continue to think of yourself and see yourself um, just like the person you were before. You know, just a, just a grub, just a caterpillar. Uh, trying to add some obedience and, and some generosity and some kindness and some love to your life. No, 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 that's, that's not what it means to, to be born again. Through the new birth experience, you become a partaker of the divine nature of God, Second Peter tells us. You were previously, by nature, the offspring of wrath and disobedience. But we become a partaker of a new and divine nature when we're born again. In other words, He transforms us, innermost being, again, innermost being, He transforms us and literally puts a new nature inside of us. Amen or oh me. All right, so Jesus paid the price for your metamorphosis. Jesus came to make you something different, something you were not before, something you could never make yourself. Now, the Lord has been stirring me up, and some of this stuff's kind of been bubbling out of me, even though it wasn't necessarily even in my notes. And so, um, and the list keeps growing. I'm not going to try to go through the whole list this morning. 
but <clears throat> this is the theme of it right here. Are you ready? We were created to live on a level we cannot get to on our own. It's very, very important for you to come to terms with that. We were created to live on a level that we cannot get to on our own. Okay? Amen. So if we were created to live on a level that we cannot get to our, on our own, what, what does that mean? It means we're going to have to let the Lord get us there or we'll never get there. Amen? All right. Now, how about this one? We were created to have things no amount of money, work, or sacrifice can earn. That's not a license to be lazy. Are you hearing me? It's not, a, it's not an excuse to quit giving. But we were created to have things. See, this is, this is why people try to satisfy the inward hunger of the heart with the outward things of the flesh. Am I right about this? We, we, we think, but, 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 but again, why, why do we have these desires for more? A desire for more is not a bad desire. Remember, money is not the root of all evil. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. Why is the love of money the root of all evil? It's because we think money will, will satisfy the longings that we have inside of us to live on this higher level, to, 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 to have these things that, that, that we all you know, d- desire to have. Those things are hardwired into us. I'm going to remind you again this morning, Jesus discerned the disciples arguing among themselves about who was the greatest among them, Right? Okay. Did he rebuke them for desiring greatness? No, because every one of us were created for greatness. He didn't rebuke them for desiring greatness. He rebuked them for their lack of understanding on how to be great. He told them how to be great because they were created by God to be great. You were created by God to be great, but you'll never be great by trying to lord over people. You'll never be great by trying to be better than other people. The only way you'll ever find and tap into the greatness that God put in you is to recognize that He put a gift in you to serve the world with, to serve it to other people. That's where you find your greatness. See, religion will tell you that a desire to be great is an evil desire. A desire to have things is an evil desire. A desire to live on a, on a higher level and have a better life is an evil desire. But religion is lying to you. God, Father God created you for all of these things. Where, where we get into trouble is we try to achieve and obtain these things on our own. Remember, Paul said, I keep reaching for more. I keep reaching for better. I keep pursuing something higher. I keep realizing. And this was a man who had obtained a whole lot of things. But he said, I realize that, 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 that what Jesus bought and paid for, for me to live, and, and, and the way for me to live and the level on which I can live and the things that he created, that he died for, for me to experience in life and enjoy in life and accomplish in life, he, he realized that there was still so much more. And he says, I'm pressing for that. I'm reaching for that. I'm striving for that. So we were created to have things no amount of money, work, or sacrifice can earn. I started hearing when I was a little kid, um, and, and there's truth to it here. Please hear me. I started hearing when I was a little kid some variation of this that there is a void inside of me that only God can fill. 
some, I heard it said this way, there's a God-shaped hole inside of me that only God can fill. And, and other things won't fit in, in, that, in that hole, in that spot. In, it's, you, know, it, you remember those, um, I think there's probably one back there in the nursery, they're, they're about this big and half of it's a, a primary red, the other half is primary blue, and it's got different size shapes, a circle, an oval, a square, um, and then you got all the yellow shapes that fit in, and then once you get them all in there, you pull it open and dump them all out and put them, anybody remember that? So I remember I had one of those playing with one of those when I was a kid, and every time somebody would say there's a God-shaped hole in you that only he can fill, I would think about how the triangle wouldn't fit in the square slot. It, it had to, the triangle had to go where the triangle goes. No, nothing else will fit there. And so in the same way, that there's, there's a place inside of you that only he will feel. And so all of these things, like what we're saying right now, created to live on a level we can't get to on our, on our own, um, this is the, the fallout. These are the, the things that, that we experience from this um, need for and desire for and dependence upon um, our creator. All right, how about this? We were created to become something we can never make ourselves. We were created to become something that we can never make ourselves. Now, let me give you a couple of verses here um, that deal with the metamorphosis that we're talking about, that Jesus paid. To, am I boring you? Are you okay? Everybody good? Amen. It's 1126. Y'all looking like it's 1230. Amen. You good? Amen. Amen. I, listen, let the weak say I'm strong. So I'm saying I'm strong this morning, but... Um, we, we have, as a family, we have been working really, really hard the past several days. And I'm a little sore and I'm a little weary this morning as well. So I apologize if, it's, uh, if the energy level uh, is, is uh, you know, my, my, my fault. Amen. All right, so Ephesians 5 and 8. Ephesians 5 and 8. I'll get my voice up and get my faith up a little higher. Praise God. All right, Ephesians 5 and 8. Hey, memorize this verse. It's a, it's a good one right here. It's a good one. Amen. Uh, that's what Brother Allender, he's in heaven now, um, he would, he would uh, come up to me after service, and, and he was a man of few words, but if he really enjoyed the sermon, he'd say, that was a good one, Pastor Mark, amen. So, so anyway, this verse is a good one right here, all right, Ephesians 5 and 8, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord, walk as children of light. Now, we could preach a series, and matter of fact, I think we have in the past preached a series of sermons from this one verse. I'm not going to try to do that this morning. But see, we often think of ourselves as having been in darkness. We weren't just in darkness. The Bible says we were darkness. Darkness wasn't just something that we did or participated in or lived in. It's something that we were one t- at once. See, sometimes if we're trying to explain a dramatic difference between two things, we'll say it's as, it's as different as light and dark. It's as different as daylight and dark, okay? Well, when we talk about the metamorphosis that's taking place in your innermost being, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. It doesn't get any more uh, of a dramatic change um, than this, the depth of change, the, the, you know, the, the far-reaching effect of, of, of the difference that's been made, the metamorphosis that's taken place inside of us. So you were once darkness, but now... Now, see, we, we keep talking about what we were instead of who we become. 
We were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. As long as you see yourself as still being darkness, you're going to be drawn to and attracted to things of darkness. But we're not darkness anymore. We're light in the Lord. And because we're light in the Lord, we can live as children of light. See, if the Lord had... Thank you, Jesus. It's, kind of, it's, it's the same sermon. It's just a different verse. Where we were the last two weeks, right? He made you free, Right? So that you could live in freedom. If he never made you free, I'm talking about coming to existence as a free man or woman, then how could you ever effectively live in freedom? He made you righteous so you can live righteously. He, he, he gave you rest and made you strong so you could live in peace and, and overcome any weakness in your life. He, he, he made you what He made you so that you could live it. See, religion tells you if you live it long enough, you'll become it. It never works. He made you it so you could become it. Come and I'll give you rest. Learn of me and you'll find rest. Come and I'll, I'll make you free. Learn and you'll live in freedom. So here He's saying, He's saying, you, listen, you were darkness, but I made you light. And because I made you light, now you can live and walk every day of your life as children of light. This is a... Um, we kind of broke down a passage in John 8 and 36, but this is what it says. If the Son makes you free, um, you shall me be. You shall be free in your performed action. Pardon the typo there. If the Son makes you free, you shall be free in your performed action. If we kept reading in 2 Corinthians 5, let's go to 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. The King James Version says that we might be made. And this same word that we find here, be made, become, um, we find it in John 8 and a whole lot of other places, and it literally means that we might come into existence as. So we, were once, we once existed as darkness because we've been born again and have experienced a metamorphosis in our innermost being, we now have come into existence as light. Now, let me give you another verse. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. It says this, Having a form of godliness, but denying its power, and from such people turn away. Let's talk about that last phrase first, and from such people turn away. What we know from Scripture and what we also know from experience is that the people that we spend time with and the, and the group of people that we hang around, right, have effect upon our lives. Um, the, Bible, the Bible talks about bad company will corrupt good morals, is one translation um, of, of that verse. And so he's saying that in the last days, there's going to be a whole group of, of people, um, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. We could have gone through the whole list. I'm just trying to show you this, this last thing here because we're seeing this. He says in the last days, we will see, the, we will see this increase. And so we're seeing the, an increase of this. People who have a form of godliness but deny its power. A form, think outward appearance, but deny its power, the inward substance. Now, 
as I have been journeying through the Word of God um, this year, um, I've really, how do I say this? Again, it's one of those things that maybe we all have in common. It's very easy, especially in Leviticus, you know, like you're reading, but you're not really reading. Come on now, let's can we just be honest about it and ask the Lord to help us with it, right? You know, and next thing you know, you're seven verses into a chapter and you don't you don't even know anything you just read. So really ask the Lord. Matter of fact, I've been like if I find myself doing that, I just go back and start over. And it helps me especially sometimes in some of those areas to read it out loud. Okay. Now, one of the things that I'm seeing, and it's a theme, and it's been there obviously since the Bible was written, but it's it's like the Lord's really breathing on it for me. Okay. And it's, it's when wickedness is called righteousness and the absolute devastating effect that has on a society, on a government, on a leader, on a family, on a nation. On, we, we just go on and on with this. And when you see, you know, Jesus said a kingdom divided won't stand, you know. But we also see that a family divided won't stand. And we also see that a person divided. The Bible says a double-minded man in all his, it will be unstable in all his ways. So when we, when we you know, have that, 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 that double-mindedness, that, that um, you know, division, it affects from the individual all the way up to a, a nation itself, a kingdom itself. And we see the same thing here, you know, when a, when a, a person decides what God has said is wicked is right. It's getting quiet up in, the, in here. Amen. But perilous times. In other words, we're, we're seeing this in our nation today. We're seeing this in our world today. Where things that God says are wrong and wicked and unrighteous, where now it's, 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 it's being forced on us Um. And, and the pressure is being applied to every facet of our society to say what God says is wickedness is right. Amen. That doesn't mean, listen to me, that doesn't mean that, that all of a sudden we become harsh judges and criticize and look down our noses at people and show people no mercy. No, no, no. That's the, but nor does it mean, nor does it mean that, that we um, agree or call right what God says is wrong. All right, so there's lots of characteristics about that. I feel better just by saying that right now. Okay, so Amen. Am I the only one that's, re- that's seeing that? Okay, all right, thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, okay. So here's another one of those characteristics, having a form of godliness but denying its power. A form of godliness, what is that? It's this outward appearance. It's, 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 it's um, these people serve me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I say? And, and so it's, it's where people want to present this uh, appearance of being godly or religious. The word godliness here, praise God, the word godliness here, it doesn't even have 
any name of God in the original. That's why you will see it in the New Testament, godliness with the G lowercase. The, the word in the Greek is the word eusebia, E-U-S-E-B-I-A. It has none of that, no portion of that word has anything to do with the name of God Almighty, okay? But the word godliness here, eusebia, it's, it's talking about piety. It's, it's talking about, um, you know, being uh, devoted to a uh, religious practice, okay? Are you, are you with me? So again... It, it, godliness is a little bit because we think godliness being godlikeness, okay, and so we got to try to be, you know, godly. No, he's he. Yes, try to be godly, but this is not what this word means. It's talking about all the things that we do because we've been made right with God. It's a godly thing to read your Bible. It's a godly thing to come to church. It's a godly thing to pray and fast. It's a godly thing um, to. Uh, uh, abstain from evil and, and holiness, and, 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 and we'll get into that, if not this morning, next week. Um, but he says that there are those who are settling for an outward appearance of these things, but are denying the power of these things. You with me still? Let me, let me give you this verse, and obviously I added these, but I'm trying to help you see. The difference between metaschematozo and metamorpho. Having a form of godliness, that would be metaschematozo. But denying its power, that'd be metamorpho. Only God has the power to change a thing at the very essence of what it, what it used to be. Amen? So, having a form of godliness. See, we can, you know, we can add some, uh, you know, we can get some words out of our mouth, at least around the right people. Are you hearing me? Amen. Certain words we don't want to say, especially around the people we go to church with. And then we can get, you know, a few more praise the Lord and, and um, even God good, brother, and, and you know, so blessed. And, uh, you, you, know, we, we, you know, saying I'm not saying we shouldn't say those things, but, you know, it's like we're going to add some things to our vocabulary. We're going to subtract some words from our vocabulary. Um, we're going to, we're going to, you know, clean up a little this and a little that and, and these sort of things. In other words, it's trying to, to appear godly. It's trying to appear Christian, you know. Um, I don't, I think it, a lot of the funny things that, that have become a part of our family culture, you know, is if anybody takes a bite of food before we say the blessing, um, uh, Matthew started years ago saying, you know, uh, we, we were raised Christian. You know what I'm saying? And so that means we pray over our food. So if you start eating before the blessing, hey, 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 we were raised Christian. You know, it's kind of a thing that we, <laughs> you mean all our tough bunch this morning. I'm trying really, really hard. Amen. All right. So, so we were raised Christian. Amen. You know, so, but, but the, but the idea is, you know, we would rather tell people we were raised Christian and try to pre- present the appearance of that than really allow the power of God to do what only the power of God can do in our lives. Okay? So let me finish right here. Um, Metaschematozo must always be a response to metamorpho and never a substitute for it. Okay? Metaschematozo must always be a response to metamorpho and never a substitute 
for it. Man, I want to go about another 45 minutes right now. Praise God. So, you see, having the power of God working in your life requires things like faith, trust, obedience, submission, humility, willingness, yielding, surrender, relinquishing control, right? See, if you're going to have the power of God working in your life, it's going to have to stop being about you and start being about Him. It's going to have to stop being about what's convenient for you and start doing about what He's commanded. It's going to have to stop being about if it fits into your schedule, right? And your schedule becoming His schedule. Are you seeing this, right? If you're going to have the power of God working in your life, it's going to require some humility and some submission and some yielding to the Holy Spirit. It's going to require some obedience. It's going to require some humbling yourself, right? And, and Because the power of God is available to us to change us from the inside to the outside. But all that yielding and submission and obedience and doing what God says and not calling uh, you know, right what God says is wicked, you know, that, that might get some people upset with us. So I guess we'll just keep trying to change ourselves by adding to taking away and rearranging what's there is metaschematozoa important yes it's of god but it's always listen to me it always has to be in response to metamorpho in other words because he's changed my innermost being there are certain things i don't do anymore because he changed me at, at the very essence of who i am there are certain places i don't go there are certain things i don't laugh at any longer there are certain jokes that i don't tell or even remember anymore there are certain things i don't put in my body anymore are you hearing me Not because I'm trying to appear godly, not because I'm trying to make myself right. I don't do those those things anymore, metaschematozo, in response to the metamorpho. He's changed me, and because he's changed me, you picking it up? Brother Keith Moore is in the uh, middle of a sermon series right now, Faith and the Power of God. It's actually the second sermon series that he's taught on that subject, so it's Faith and the Power of God number two, okay? And if you ever wanted to, you know, get you a good podcast to listen to, I highly recommend his. And we're going to, maybe next week, we'll talk about some of the things that I've been learning from him along those lines. But, but listen to me, please. Listen to me, please, okay? The Power of God's still available, We talk about living on a level that we can't get to on our own, knowing things that we can never learn in books or in school but can only be learned by the Holy... In other words, all these things that require the power of God in our lives, I got really good news for you, okay? The power of God is still real and the power of God is still available, amen, and He still wants to work in your life and do these things in your life that only He can do. That's really, really good news because we were never meant to be limited to a life that we can produce on our own, amen? And the Lord has been challenging me. Matter of fact, as part of my morning confessions and, and meditations list is that I expect more today than I can produce myself. Amen. Amen. I expect, I expect what we've just done together, the word that I just put out there for you, I'm expecting it to produce results that I cannot produce and you cannot produce on your own. Amen. Right? Because again, this is how we live on that level that we were created to live on but can't get to on our, on our own. It's trusting God with all our heart, leaning not to our own understanding, acknowledge Him in all of our ways, and letting Him lead us to those places. I'm, I'm all about hard work, okay? 
I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you. Anybody that knows me knows I'm all about hard work. But hard work has to be in response to, not a substitute for, the power of God. Are you hearing me? I don't work because I'm trying to make something happen. I work because of what Jesus has already done for us. Amen. If, 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 <laughs> if all that we could ever hope to experience from God is what we could produce on our own, then that's pretty miserable. Amen. Amen. Don't deny his power. Whew. Please listen to me now. Don't de- to deny it means... To, to, to set it aside. Deny means to reject it. Deny means to, uh, you know, treat it as if it doesn't exist. Okay? Don't do that. Don't do that. Dear friend of mine, some of you know him. We call him Rev affectionately at the Foundry. Rev, his name's Lawrence Harris. And he's a prophet. I'm just telling you, he's straight up a prophet. And uh, he's prophesied things in my life. Man, it's anyway. But um, there were some folks sitting around a meeting one day talking about the challenge here and the challenge there and how we're going to address this. And Rev hardly ever speaks, but when he speaks, he's you know, like, you need to listen. And um, he finally got quiet and he said, uh, just to make sure, he said, we are talking about God now, right? You know, like the one that all things are possible, you know, I mean, anything too hard for? No, you know, so, amen. All right, Father, you're good to us. We love you. Thank you for helping us. Forgive us, Father. Forgive us, Father, for, for thinking that it all depended upon our work to become something, Lord. No, no, no. We don't work to become. We work because we have already become. But I'm not striving to make myself righteous. I'm striving to live right because you made me right. I can do right because I be right. And I be right because you made me right. I'm not struggling to live free trying to steal something freedom's mine it's my birthright you made me free so now father i'm gonna get some things out of my life with your help that need to get out of my life not because i'm trying to be free but because i am my metaschematizo father is in response to your metamorpho so lord as we go our separate ways today thank you for shining on us thank you for shining through us thank you for revealing your truth and wisdom lord to us Lord, teach us some of those things this week that we can never learn no matter how hard we try and study on our own, Lord. Thank you for your wisdom. It's higher than the wisdom of man, but available to those who ask. Father, thank you for your power working in us and through us, making yourself known in this part of the country, Lord, in this part of the world because of the men and women who are right here today pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Praise God. Tell somebody around you good things coming. Again, thank you so much for being here. We'll see you Wednesday, if not before. Have a great Memorial Day. And remember our picnic next week. Praise God.